0: This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. Coming up on today's show, we check in with Blaine Clemick. He's the Assistant Northwest Regional Wildlife Manager. A lot of hunting seasons underway, many more to come. We talk hunting with Blaine next. But first... If you love the outdoors and are looking for ways to align your education with future employment in the trades, Northwest Technical College in Bemidji is for you. Explore state-of-the-art technical education in six career paths, automotive, building trades, business, health, child care, and manufacturing technology, all in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods, surrounded by more than 400 lakes and, of course, limitless forests. The shortest path to your dream job and a good bite is at NTC, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. I'm Chuck Hasse Leisure Outdoor Adventures, and you're listening to Paul Bunyan Country. Well, we're getting ready for fall. I mean, it's here now, so it's time to talk hunting, and one of the people we like to talk to is the Assistant Regional Wildlife Manager out of the Northwest Office, Blaine Clemick. Blaine, welcome back to the show.
1: Well, thank you, Kevin. It's great to be back with you.
0: Well, we're going to talk a lot about uh, uh, fall hunting and, and what's going on in wildlife, but just to let you know, we, we want to find out about your adventures, too. You had some good ones this year, so we need to talk about that uh, sometime today as well. But let's just start with the fact that we're in a, a time of year where, uh, if you like hunting, it's kind of hard to pick one. There's too many uh, great hunting seasons going on right now.
1: <laughs> You're exactly right. It all kind of started, Kevin, September 1st. A uh, litany of uh, hunting seasons began then. Bear season began September 1st. We had uh, our already the five day early teal season, uh, which was um, the, th- I forget exactly, but it was just concluded here, um, first week of September. Uh, that's already done with early goose season. Um, morning doves. Uh, we don't have a lot of morning doves up here in the Northland, but you get a little bit further west, uh, you know, west of, uh, of uh, the forest here into the transition zone and out there in the prairie, and morning dove hunting is better, and most especially better the further south you go, and, and that season um, had begun on September 1st, and that goes until the November 29th, so it's a, it's a long season. And, uh, you know, we've got other other hunting seasons coming up soon.
0: Well, we we always talk about you know, uh, and I always kind of um, compare it to fishing. I, I always talk about deer hunting being the walleye fishing, you know, the the walleye equivalent of, of hunting. And that that's the biggie. That's the one that we're famous for. Uh, and yet, uh, like our waters, there's so many other great things to hunt, and, and there's real uh, real diehards in all of those.
1: Oh, no doubt about it. But you're right deer hunting you know you sometimes here wildlife managers re- managers refer to deer hunting as the bread and butter i mean uh, it is you know participated in by um you know we like to say close to 500,000 people um that's a lot of people in the state of Minnesota and and what that contributes to the economy is is impressive and uh Deer hunting, of course, uh, started, well, the, the the archery season just started here last uh, weekend, Saturday, um, so that's underway, and then, you know, coming here shortly, uh, you know, won't be too long, and deer hunting season begins again, the firearm seasons, season, that is, and that, that begins November 5th.
0: Well, we got a lot to talk about there too, but let's start with what's going on. I know the one that uh, that a lot of people are just fired up about this time of year is bear hunting. Mm. Um, how's that gone so far? What have you heard?
1: Well, bear hunting has been has uh, been good, but the total harvest, if people are into the numbers game, is down, and that was kind of expected. That that would uh, perhaps be a little bit less this year because. You know, last year, if you remember, the uh, oppressive drought that we had did indeed impact, um, you know, natural foods. And so bear hunters' baits probably, well, in fact, it did. It attracted more bears uh, than perhaps on a normal year. And and this year, you could consider as, you know, mainly uh, or, or basically a normal year. With as far as uh, natural foods, soft and hard mast. You know, when we talk about soft mast, we're talking about berries and and uh, uh, fruits and those kinds of things. And when we talk hard mast, we're talking about acorns. Uh, that's the biggie, and then hazelnuts and the like. Uh, those those foods out in the woods, out in the forest, uh, in transition zone, up in the northwest part of the state, and that Aspen Parkland's ecoregion, uh, most natural foods have been quite abundant. Now, that affected harvest. Not by a lot, but as of uh, just, uh, well, a few days ago, nine, uh, 9-12, September 12, um, our large carnivore specialist, Dan Stark, keeps track of the numbers for us, and he sends us uh, staff, DNR staff, uh, bi-weekly or so uh well i guess it would be every other week uh we, we get an email from dan with some of the numbers okay so nine twelve september 12th uh so far 1,530 bears have been harvested and that's down about 34 percent from last year kevin mm-hmm. and that was that's been sort of that was sort of expected and uh... A positive thing about that is that 62 percent of those harvested bears were male, and we tend to like having a a harvest skewed more toward males. Uh, Females obviously are are the the animals that produce the cubs, you know, so Mm -hmm. uh, harvesting more cubs can lead to, uh, you know, a smaller population. Um, if, if more females were harvested than, than males. So that's a, that's a number that's looked at pretty pretty closely. Uh, 75 or so, 75 to 80 percent of our harvest, it's kind of like deer hunting, uh, of the bulk of the harvest occurs within that first uh, one, to, at least with bears, within that first one to two weeks. So roughly 75 to 80 percent of the total harvest registration has has already occurred occurred and uh you know you wouldn't expect a whole lot more harvest going uh from here forward to the end of the season but um that i say that all to say this that we will likely uh probably harvest around less than maybe just a little bit less than 2,000 bears total and last year's total harvest Kevin was uh 2,312 bears so okay. will be less than last year but I tell you what uh, the reports that I've heard from from uh, hunters that I know in my circles over here southwest of Bemidji not too far from Itasca State Park and the little community of Besida um just about every bear hunter that I've talked to that I knew that had licenses have already filled their tags so they've had some really good luck out here.
0: Well, I tell you just from my experience in my yard, you talk about the drought of last year, my feeders, my bird feeders were mm-hmm. just attacked and destroyed multiple times last year. Mm-hmm. And then this year, uh, you know, early got attacked a couple of times and then nothing. And I yep. knew we were having a, you know, great berry season, so I pretty much was you know, proof of that, uh, but if you go by bears spotted, I know they're out there because i you know lots of people have seen bears pretty much everywhere this year.
1: you know I, I agree with you that i um you know with the whole thing with the bird feeding, uh, people like to feed birds in the summertime, and whenever that happens and somebody loses a bird feeder or gets it damaged or it's knocked down, and so forth, we always recommend people you know quit feeding bears for you know ten days to two weeks, and usually. As the case is, you remove any kind of food source, the bear problem goes away, and that includes feeding pets outside or barbecuing um, hamburgers on your grill, you know, make sure those things are put away and so forth. But you're right. Last year with the drought, yours truly, feeding birds in the summertime, I had, oh, my, at least at least two times, if not three, uh, my feet are knocked down, and, and it was after.
0: <laughs>
1: it was after. I uh, excuse me. It was after I quit feeding, and I uh, thought, well, after a couple weeks, probably should be safe. But <laughs> invariably, uh, just after I put the feeder back up, it would, get, it would get raided again. And so I don't know if a bear was camped by or what. But this summer, uh, not so much. I did have the the, the, be- the bird feeder uh, knocked down off from its pedestal uh, in the you know late spring, and but like you mentioned when berries started to become ripe and there were more there was more food abundant you know more abundant foods out there natural foods that problem went away
0: a few other things that that are going on you mentioned uh, we had the early teal season waterfall season is 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 underway as well what are we what are we hearing about the waterfall populations right now
1: um you know it's spotty you know depending upon where you go like Upper Rice Lake, which is a lake south of Shevlin, which uh, a little, is a little community west of, of Bemidji, for those folks uh, listening that don't know where Shevlin is, it's right on U.S. Highway 2, and you drive to Shevlin and then go straight south on Clearwater County 2, um, you will arrive at a little community that's about 10 miles south of U.S. 2, south of Shevlin, called Alida. And then, west of Elida, only a couple three miles, is um, a big, big lake, uh, a shallow lake called Upper Rice Lake. And this lake is is managed for wild rice. Um, it's a very important uh, basin for our uh, um, Native American Indian uh, neighbors that uh, White Earth uh, band members uh, most especially. For harvesting rice and of course non uh, non band members as well, but uh, of course f- hugely important for waterfall. Now people that ha- have gone there, for example, for that early teal season, did quite well. Uh, Blue winged teal and green winged teal are the two species that are that were open uh, um, fair game, I should say, for that early teal season, and they do tend to. Uh, congregate and uh, really relate well to wild rice. So um, places of wild rice production, uh, places that, uh, you know, basins that have abundant wild rice or some wild rice, tend to hold a lot of uh, the local ducks. But uh, in some other parts of the state, uh, you know, where there isn't as much wild rice, uh, maybe not quite as abundant. productivity. But up in Roseau River, for example, in Thief Lake, uh, those two big major units up in northwest Minnesota, uh, those area wildlife supervisors up there, Kyle Orola up in Thief Lake and Randy Pracker uh, um, up in Roseau River, and uh, their, their assistants, Tom Enright and Kevin Point, um, at both of those locations have reported really good duck productivity, and and various uh, surveys that they do throughout the uh, spring and summer months. So, you know, it looks to me, anyway, uh, looking at the crystal ball, that duck hunting is going to be fair to good, depending on where you go here in uh, northwest Minnesota.
0: Um, You know, speaking of of the ducks and the geese, um, again, that is a pretty traditional thing that we like to do up here, not quite to the... um, to the deer level but that's probably got to be right up their top three things hunted for right yeah
1: you got it kevin uh duck hunting tradition in minnesota is is quite high uh, you know there's still i just mentioned that upper rice lake south of chevlin on the uh, east side of that lake uh it's mostly owned uh privately owned uh but very small parcels and every one of those parcels Along that east side are duck camps long established duck camps and and duck camps are all over the state of Minnesota um, you know you go out west uh, into the Monoman county there are there are people that own land on the, some of these famous basins from you know the thirties and forties and some of those uh, those basins and the private land uh, adjacent to them uh, have been owned for generations of families of uh, of duck hunting traditions so uh, it's alive, it's alive and well. Uh, it could be that you know the duck numbers aren't what they used to be but uh, still still there's duck hunting to be had in Minnesota and uh, it's alive and well. And of course that season is uh, not too far off either. The waterfall season, the traditional waterfall season will begin September 24th.
0: And there's a few other birds we like to hunt up here. It's certainly it's become more of a spring tradition but there is a fault fall turkey hunting season as well.
1: Right, right. Yeah, most people think of turkey hunting as something you only do in the spring. Well, in Minnesota, you can hunt turkeys uh, um, October 1st is when that uh, fall season begins, and it, and it goes for a month, first through the, through, through the 30th of October. And the, the interesting thing about turkey hunting in the fall is that you can take in, uh, you can take either a uh, bearded bird or, or non-bearded bird. So, in other words, you could take a, well, you could take a young of the year, a poult, which you know would be about a half to three quarter grown turkey, uh, or a hen, or uh, or a Jake or or a uh, Tom, mature gobbler. So, a lot of guys, a lot of hunters, I should say. Um, they They will not necessarily hunt them just to go out and actually look for wild turkeys. I know of a lot of bow hunters, a lot of a lot of archery deer hunters that will buy a turkey tag um, and have that in their pocket and take an incidental turkey while they're deer hunting. Um, it can be quite quite productive uh, when you think about some of the places that hunters hunt deer they're hunting deer in turkey habitat too, and uh, especially archery deer hunters, they tend to hunt field edges along crop uh, crops and so forth, and those are the very places that turkeys also uh, relate well to. So, But you can also do what I do in the last couple of years. I have tried my hand at fall turkey hunting, and I've taken a, a turkey in both, uh, both my attempts, and you know, I utilized uh, some of my spring tactics uh, with turkeys and was successful by using decoys and, and actually doing some hen talking. And the other, uh, last, last fall, I spot and stocked. I, I saw a, a small flock, a family flock of birds that I that put the sneak on and was able to harvest one of those birds. So uh, kind of a neat, neat extra, I guess, hunt, if you will.
0: That is kind of cool. I think you think about it, go out there with a bow and arrow, and, you know, yeah. maybe you can. Yeah, have that license ready.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I, ch- I challenged a guy who likes to do everything to go out, and, and you know, this is kind of a similar thing. What you mm-hmm. should do is you go out in, in the boat, you wild rice, hunt ducks, and fish bass all at the same time.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know what, Kevin? You can do something else, too. You can hunt Sora rails. Not many yeah. people do that. Uh, but there's a <laughs> tiny little rail uh uh water bird that uh are thick in wild rice beds that uh, for at least that first uh, couple of weeks of september um and uh I know of a few people that hunt rails and that's just another another species there you go it's a good hunt if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, I heard and read uh, earlier this year that uh, the drum, uh, the, the grouse drumming was up. They, they were surprised at, the, at that. They didn't think it was going to happen. Does that mean we're going to have a great grouse season?
1: You know what? Um, a lot of people equate a high drumming count, that drumming survey that we do, and for those of your l- reader, uh, listeners that don't really understand what what a drumming count is, you know we. In the springtime, we do those surveys, uh, established routes throughout the state of Minnesota's rough grouse range, and we count uh, the numbers of uh, drums, drumming, um, uh, that 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 thing that the rough grouse male does, beating yeah. their wings. And we count them, uh, what we hear in a minute, and then we move, uh, drive another... Uh, X number of feet. I forget the exact survey protocol, but it's a it's a it's a mile. I believe it's a mile long, and we stop every so so many yards, and uh, we do ten stops, and so that's done throughout the state and grouse range. and And yes, the grouse counts were up, which is uh, really really uh, encouraging. Uh, And to tell you the truth, not not very surprising. Um, because if you think about last winter, we did have what, well, one of those winters that I think rough grouse really like. We had a lot of snow, and a lot of uh, the snow that, that I had around here anyway, and I think most of the state's um, snowfall amounts, you know, was, was significant in places. Um, plus, the consistency of the snow was suitable for what rough grouse really prefer, and that is to snow roost when when weather turns inclement, and they uh, are able to snow roost by burrowing into soft snow to escape the cold, to escape predators. So it's reasonable to deduce from all of that information that it's possible that more rough grouse survived uh, last winter into the spring. Well, the, you couple that with what also occurred in at least some parts of the state, is that this spring didn't really see a tremendous amount of rain uh, during the the uh, nesting season? So we're also hoping, uh, you know there's no science to back up what I'm saying here, but it is it is known, however, by science that when you have a a spring nesting season that is relatively dry, all upland, nesting birds you know everything from a metal lark to a pheasant to a roughed grouse and duck that uh you know primarily m- nests on the ground that uh, their nesting success will be higher and uh i said that say this that this year uh brood counts um we don't do any real uh um formal roughed grouse brood surveys i mean it's We do anecdotally. State of Minnesota um, employees uh, like foresters and wildlife biologists and others that get out in the field a lot uh, are asked to provide Charlotte Roy, our grouse specialist, research biologist, some information about what they see out there for rough grouse counts or brood counts. And people are reporting seeing more. So I really do believe that this fall is going to be a pretty darn good rough grouse season, uh, especially for those uh, just getting out and, and seeing birds. Last night, Kevin, uh, for the last hour of the evening, I went out, and that was only a one-hour hunt. And uh, I flushed, you know, I don't even have a dog, uh, mm-hmm. but I flushed two rough grouse, uh, two shots, two misses—kind of par for the course. But
0: <laughs> um,
1: anyway, uh, I was pretty pretty pleased with that quick little outing last evening, and, and and you know got into grouse almost right away.
0: Well, one of the other seasons that's uh, already started, and I know there's uh, there's short seasons, and there's uh, there's a few of them throughout the course of the year. That's elk hunting. How's that been going? Elk hunting
1: um, has been pretty good. Uh, you know, we we have four nine-day seasons, okay, in, the, in this year. And the first season has already come and gone, and uh, that first nine-day season, and that uh, second nine-day season has was just concluded on Sunday. And all the bulls, uh, you know, there's been that first season in Zone 20, which is the westernmost season up in... Uh, northwest minnesota um that uh that would be like that lancaster area north of carlstad uh, okay mm-hmm. um it's a pretty big zone but most of that zone is private land uh whereas zone 30 which is uh, a little bit further to the north and west or east i should say uh, a significant portion of that of that zone is uh is, uh, public land. So, in any event, um, so far for, for both seasons, season one and season two in zone 20, uh, the, the bulls have been harvested. So we had 100% success on these, these, uh, either sex tags, as we're calling them, and some pretty darn big bulls, Kevin, were, were harvested, uh, including a couple harvested, uh, by, from some, uh, two young young hunters uh, a girl and a boy each uh, mm. uh, killing larger elk than uh, a 6 by 6 uh, even and some people might have seen perhaps the photograph uh, in the outdoor news just recently uh, the the harvest for the cows have been just a little bit less that first season uh, three cows were harvested out of the five antlerless tags so you know roughly a 60% uh, um, success rate so overall Kevin that first season there were 5 uh, 5 for 7 elk taken and then this season 2 the zone 20 season 2 two bulls were harvested again uh, 100% success there uh, because we only issued the two either sex tags and uh, only two out of two out of the five antlerless uh, tags were filled so four out of 7 for zone or I should say for the season 2 and then Lastly, uh, that zone 30 uh, up there, you know, right along the border, and we call that herd actually the international border herd because uh, a lot of times many of the elk there are on the Manitoba side. Um, that zone 30, both uh, both tags were filled that are issued there in zone 30, and, and those two tags are always bulls, and, and, and lucky hunters were able to get uh, their bulls there. So. That once in the once in a lifetime hunt for hunters, uh, you know, a lot of happy hunters and and, and some that didn't have success. Uh, by all reports, had a good a good experience, um, and uh, you know stuck it out to the very end of their nine day season and gave it their all. But uh, yeah, that season's going on. Uh, the next one will be um, next Saturday.
0: Okay. This just seems to be a, you know, a pretty good sustaining population, and we've had elk hunting up in those, those areas for a long, long time now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, all but uh, the Grigla herd, you know we have uh, people a lot of times think, you know, there's, there's just elk in one place in Minnesota. Well no, there's actually three separate populations. Uh, you, all, you could almost say four, because there's two subgroups in that Lancaster area, north of Carlstad, north of Lake Bronson. And then there's that international border herd, uh, sometimes also referred to as the caribou vita, um, caribou Minnesota, vita Manitoba. Um, and then we've got this herd of elk over by Grigla, the community of Grigla. Now, that, that population is just under population goal, and the population goal for, for that Grigla Herd is very small, but it's 30 to 38 animals. And just this last spring, when we did our uh, uh, aerial survey of the elk zones, uh, the elk range, I should say, that uh, herd in uh, Grigla, we were only de- only were able to detect 29 animals total. So that population hasn't been hunted. Uh, since 2012 uh, because it's been under population goal now, now now next year if we count you know anything over 30 we could potentially have an elk hunt in grigla
0: Blake klemmick is my guest he's the assistant regional wildlife manager out of the northwest regional office in bemidji we are talking hunting and we're going to talk deer hunting next i'm bro bro's Proud to help educate Kevin Jackson on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors.
1: Hi, this is Dick Beardsley, Bemidji Area Fishing Guide. I'd like to invite you to come to our beautiful town of Bemidji. We've got over 400 lakes in our area teeming with walleye, pike, muskie, bass, and panfish. We're the gateway to the Chippewa National Forest. We've got miles upon miles of biking and hiking trails. Paul Bunyan invade the blue ox. Fine shops and eateries in downtown Bemidji, headwaters of the mighty Mississippi at Itasca State Park. Beautiful resorts, hotels, and bed and breakfast. Visit Bemidji one step further.
0: This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored in part by Bemidji State University. You can pursue your passions with a world-class education in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods. The drive to acquire deeper knowledge and develop greater wisdom is already in your nature. So join us on the shores of Lake Bemidji. Minnesota's premier Northwoods University can help you make the world a better place than you found it. Learn more at BemidjiState.edu and schedule a tour today. BemidjiState.edu I'm Bruce Jean and this is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. We've been talking hunting with Blaine Clement, the assistant Northwest Regional Wildlife Manager, who covered everything but deer hunting, now it's time to get into deer hunting, and let's go right to the 500-pound elephant. The big thing we've been battling in our area or keeping our uh, close watch on, and of course, is CWD, chronic wasting disease. Um, you know, we had that uh, situation just north of the Bemidji area uh, that we talked a lot about last year. Uh, and then since then, uh, I know there's been a, a positive test, I think, in the uh, Climax area. And was there a, one even further west of that?
1: Not further west than Climax, uh, however, you know, further west, of course, would be across the Red River of the North in North right. Dakota. Right. And I can tell you that the North Dakota Game and Fish uh, personnel that did, you know, they they also are very concerned with CWD, chronic wasting disease, too, Kevin, and, and they do active sampling just like Minnesota does. But they didn't detect any uh, positive samples on their side of the the river, if you uh, you know, but close to Climax. In fact, in North Dakota, they didn't start uh, actually detecting positive samples until right around central North Dakota west. Um, so right across the border from Climax is uh, North Dakota, and or across the river is North Dakota, and they didn't detect any any uh, positive samples last year. Um, but yeah, you're right. Uh, uh West of there, North Dakota, but east of there, uh, there was another another uh, actually wild deer that was detected to have chronic waste and disease and that was in Grand Rapids of all places so uh, we will be sampling hunter harvested deer in uh, in Grand Rapids in what we call the management zone of 679 and then we'll be sampling, Hunter harvested deer here north of uh, Bemidji and and the surrounding permit areas, as well as uh, out west uh, that, two sixty one, uh, which is a permit area right along the border, right along the Red River of the North. That will be our management zone that has a little bit more restrictive, a uh, uh, little bit more restrictions as it, as it pertains to um, trying to contain. CWD and the surrounding permit areas of that 261 um, will also be a surveillance zone. So, you know, one of the things I tell hunters, um, you know, I will have to say that the whole CWD management and how DNR manages chronic waste and disease and because, you know, now that it's spreading throughout the state uh, in these, you know, these pockets, you know, with one deer here, one deer there. We're we're doing our best to try to get as many samples as possible from hunter harvested deer. So uh, here in the Northland, Kevin, you know we're asking hunters. Uh, you know it's mandatory on opening weekend in those those uh, those surveillance zones and in those management zones that uh, hunters uh, you know have their their deer sampled by by staff or you drop your deer head off of off into a uh, deer uh, barrel, if you will. We've got these uh, um, self-sampling stations, too, that uh, hunters will have access to in these three specific areas in the Northland. But uh, take a look at your hunting and trapping regulations handbook. Read it thoroughly. And uh, if if the book isn't available to you, we have all, in fact, more information uh, on the website that tells a hunter exactly where these zones are, exactly what you have to do uh, to get your deer sampled, and uh, you know, and if if all else fails, there, by all means, uh, contact your local area wildlife office and, and talk to one of our staff, and they'll they'll help a hunter through it.
0: Okay. Well, it, I think the the concerning thing is now, as you noted, we're spotting them in and finding them in these wild areas that don't appear to be near any, uh, you know, uh, of the the farms that have historically been causes of it in the past.
1: Yeah, that yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. I mean, though the the one the one uh, outlier, I would have to say. Uh, and you alluded to it it would be that one lone deer mm-hmm. that was harvested last year by a youth hunter over by the city of climax that that deer was killed um, by a, by a young hunter a little buck and uh, it just so happened that the hunter that uh, you know the the parent of the young hunter is the type of hunter that wants to know if his deer is uh CWD free, and uh, it's just a habit that he himself has gotten into uh, over the years because I guess he also hunted uh, out west where CWD is more prevalent, Um, and he got into the habit of extracting the lymph nodes and sending them off to a veterinary diagnostic lab in Colorado or the University of Minnesota, and he waited for his results and. Surprisingly, that (laughs) result from that one deer came back positive. Mm. So, yeah, it's very perplexing. Where did that deer come from? We have no idea. Um, So for, you know, last year we sampled deer that were harvested by deer hunters. We also had a late season hunt so we could get more samples. And, of course, we'll be sampling again this year and uh, one more year after that. Uh, so, but if we end up with three years in a row of uh, detecting no positive uh, cWD samples then then we can stop sampling in Northwest Minnesota so let's keep our our fingers crossed,
0: yeah, absolutely um so that that's the kind of the big thing in deer hunting the last several years uh but if you again if you go uh talk about health of the uh, populations if i'm basing it on what i'm seeing i'm sure seeing a lot of deer out there this year so uh it looks like we got plenty
1: i yeah we do and you know deer hunters aren't going to be uh at a lack of uh, <laughs> of opportunity um you know, there's. You look at, you look at the, the deer hunting map. Um, you see a lot of a lot of places where you can take more than one deer if if you were you were so inclined to do so. Right here in northwest Minnesota alone, I mean, and that's a that's a good thing. Uh, deer hunters have we have a lot of opportunity in the state of Minnesota. It isn't uh, as if some places like in the far northeast along up there in the arrowhead uh, where you know we are concerned with uh, you know deer density there's quite a bit more restriction placed on deer hunting up in there just because of uh, variable factors like um, harsher winters and uh, availability of food and, and also because in that part of the state of Minnesota, we're also actively trying to improve uh, habitat conditions for moose. And so, it, some time ago, it was uh, um, it was agreed upon with uh, public input and so forth, uh, and eventually implemented uh, that uh, uh, we would focus management on moose there in, in parts of northeast Minnesota that favors moose and not necessarily favors deer as much. So in, in some pl- places in Minnesota, there still are bucks-only uh, permit areas, deer permit areas, whereas here in the northwest, um, we got the managed and we've got uh, intensive harvest and, you know, the more than two deer limit, up to three deer limit, and, and uh, hunter's choice, one or the other, and so forth. So, it, and, and the beauty too, Kevin, of uh, hunting nowadays, where it's it's just such a departure from what what it used to be. Especially when I think back to myself as a young hunter, uh, as a kid on the farm, uh, we had two days to hunt deer in Zone Four, as it was called back then. Just two days, and uh, that was it. Uh, where you know nowadays you can you can take that that license of yours and go anywhere in the state where there's an active deer hunting season going on, and as long as you adhere to that deer permit area's uh, regulations, uh, you can hunt away and and harvest uh, deer throughout, as long as you don't exceed the the total bag limit and all that, so opportunity, uh, it's just, it's there. It's, uh, it's, it's there for any deer hunter to participate in. And, of course, nowadays you can hunt uh, with a, uh, um, a crossbow. A lot more hunters are using a crossbow now um, and firearms. And then you've got the muzzle muzzleloader season right on the heels of the firearm season. So there's opportunity for uh, many weeks uh, every year starting uh, just last weekend for deer.
0: Well, overall, looking at the wildlife picture, we, we talked about a lot of concern, well, a lot of things going on, the big concern, at least on the deer side, CWD, anything else out there that's concerning the DNR right now?
1: Um, I can't think of anything right now that's necessarily a, a big concern on uh, the wildlife uh, um, sides of things as far as... Our hunting seasons and so forth, but disease, Kevin, I, I would have to say, and we just, you know, we've just been talking about it, is, is, is quite the concern. I mean, chronic wasting disease. Uh, you know, when we first started sampling uh, back in it was early two thousands, um, statewide sampling efforts. Uh, I'm sure a lot of deer hunters listening to this uh, right now remembers. Going to a going to a sampling station and having DNR staff and volunteers uh, helping them with with lymph node extraction and all that stuff, you know. So it began in the early two thousands, um, and I think back. Well, I'm pretty sure back then a lot of us thought that you know maybe this is something that we can nip in the bud, and I think we did a pretty good job at it because if you look across the state, or I should say, look across. Uh, uh, the Mississippi River, uh, uh, east Wisconsin, they didn't do things so well there with chronic waste and disease um, management. In fact, in some places in the state of Wisconsin, you can uh, kill a deer, and uh, it's, got a, it's got a flip of a coin chance of ha- having CWD. Uh, it's a fact. Uh, 50% prevalence rates and higher in some mm. parts of Wisconsin. Just to compare, Kevin, down in the southeast where where uh, CWD does exist in the wild deer population uh, at a detectable rate, it's still 1% and less. So our efforts, Minnesota DNR efforts, uh, uh, even though I will have to say that not everybody in the public is on uh, on our side, I would say that the majority of deer hunters are indeed on our side and uh, want very much for chronic waste and disease sampling to continue and without them without uh, the hunters involvement and participation we wouldn't get the samples that we need to, to uh, sample in order to you know determine what the prevalence rate really is and so hats off to deer hunters um, because I tell you what without them we couldn't do our job and uh, we couldn't try to control this awful disease which Is uh, always fatal disease. CWD is fatal to any deer that gets it. And and on the disease front, Kevin, I mean another issue uh, would of course be other diseases. Uh, We have we have in the section of wildlife a um, wildlife health program and some dedicated staff, hardworking staff year-round work. Uh, In fact, some of them will even tell you that it's about a thirteen-month. Uh, out-of-the-year job just managing CWD, but the fact is there are other diseases out there, and we, we've had here early on in the spring, last spring, avian influenza, high-path avian influenza that that affected a lot of, lot of species of birds, not so much for the songbirds, but this last round, this last variant uh, was mostly... Water-type birds, waterfowl, um, and raptors. Uh, you know, and then and then it reared its ugly head again. Uh, avian influenza, just in the recent weeks, and where where other birds, including obviously domestic uh, 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 wild turkey or domestic turkeys and so forth. Um, so it's not just CWD. Uh, there are other diseases out there that are, that are grave concerns to DNR and, and the public in general of course uh in just keeping our wild wildlife uh healthy
0: well let me uh ask you this question uh as the uh, system regional wildlife manager who's overseen all of this area um as we look at uh, how things are shaping up so far in the hunting season as we got the different populations things we've talked about what would you give the region as far as a grade goes?
1: I would give our region a B plus. I mean, uh, could do we have room for improvement? Sure. Um, but you talk about, you know, the riches that we have here, Kevin. I think you and I have talked about it over the years. You know, we've got to pinch ourselves uh, where we live. Um, you know, we've got uh, just a uh, – well, it's almost – it's an embarrassment of riches uh, you know here right around me public hunting land everywhere um, and uh... you know further, furthermore even in the farm farm belt if you will in the region one which when i say region one we're talking about all the way south to glenwood um, in traverse county uh, all the way north to carlstead and then east over to bidet and then back down south uh, That's that's all considered northwest region and and just Every place in the region, Kitson County down to uh, Ottertail County, um, over to Douglas and Grant and, and Pope and Polk County to the north, uh, lots and lots of public hunting land. Um, if it isn't, if it isn't state forest, uh, you're going to find a lot of WMA's, Wildlife Management Areas, out to the west. Not only that, but waterfowl production areas um, north of U.S. Highway Two. You you can hunt all the nature conservancy land, the TNC land, um, you know, pl- plenty of wetlands, plenty of uh, waterways uh, to hunt waterfowl, and some pretty darn decent pheasant hunting, Kevin. Um, places uh, such as Fergus Falls uh, area and uh, various other counties, there's even some pretty decent pheasant hunting in pockets around the Detroit Lakes area, which, uh, incidentally, I think, that would be one of the next hunts, October 15th is uh, is when the pheasant hunting season begins.
0: And I, I always forget that one because it's just, you know, it's not here. but Right, right. It's not that far, though.
1: No, no, you're exactly right. I mean, there's been times uh, where a couple of us have decided, let's go to Monoman County, and uh, there's a couple of WMAs uh, uh, in that uh, Detroit Lakes Wildlife Work Area, as we like to say, I mean, that's uh, the Detroit Lakes Area Supervisor over there, Rob Baden, manages wildlife management areas in Norman County, uh, the west half of Becker County, uh, Clay County, as well as uh, uh, Monoman County. And there there are pockets of pheasants on uh, some of those WMAs over there. And for that matter, another bird that uh, that you and I forgot to mention um, uh, is, a re- is related to rough grouse, and, and the birds that I'm thinking of here are what we sometimes refer to as simply prairie grouse and prairie chickens. Um, oh, yeah. prairie chicken season actually is, uh, begins on the 24th of September and runs to October uh, 2nd. However, Kevin, that hunt, the prairie chicken hunt, is a very limited hunt and only in parts of uh, extreme northwest uh, or parts of northwest minnesota from like crookston and south um, specific uh, prairie chicken uh, permit areas and there's only 125 licenses that are issued each year for that drawing but that that that's uh that's a prairie grouse that that there's fair numbers of out on the prairie grasslands part of the state so that hunt is coming up uh, on september 24th and then uh Uh, Also, of course, what's going on, too, in the far northwest, where there are numbers of uh, sharp-tailed grouse. And uh, there's a lot of hunters that go after sharp-tails up in the far northwest, too.
0: Wow. So much stuff to talk about. We (laughs) We actually ran out of time to talk about the other two topics I want to get to, but I'm going to have to have you on probably real soon because I, I i do want to get uh, the details on your alaska fishing trip and your uh, colorado elk trip i think both of those would be fun to talk about but uh, we're out of time right now um so i'm gonna i'll shoot you an email we'll set up a time down the, in a week or two to get, uh, to talk more
1: let's do that i i would love to talk to you and your listeners about that adventure up in uh, alaska which was a katmai national park and preserve and and then uh the archery elk hunt with a recurve bow up in uh, (laughs) northwest colorado
0: all right that's uh that's where we're going to hear from blaine in in a couple of weeks in the meantime blaine there's a lot to do outside uh from from here to ice out as far as fishing goes and of course hunting seasons as well uh it's a great time to be in minnesota unquestionably
1: unquestionable i mean it's we are lucky lucky folks and i know that a lot of people come here to visit and vacation and and come here on weekends, but uh, a lot of us get to live here every day.
0: Blake Lembick is the Assistant Regional Wildlife Manager out of the Northwest Region, getting us caught up on uh, wildlife and the upcoming hunting seasons, and the hunting season's already underway. Blake, thanks for taking the time today.
1: You're welcome, Kevin. My pleasure.
0: That's it for this time. Coming up on our next couple of podcasts, our Lake of the Week, we'll hear from Steve Sapaniak and Mark Bachigalupi. He is the Brainerd Area Fisheries Supervisor, We get a recap of the summer season in the Brainerd Lakes area. I'm Kev Jackson. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll check in with you soon.